Hi everyone, a quick notice before the show. This week I was a very naughty boy and didn't record my audio properly. So, for this episode, please excuse the dip in the usual audio quality on my part. You'll be pleased to hear that James did indeed record his audio correctly this week and sounds his usual silky smooth self. Apologies again for my shitty audio and with that said, on with the show. What is going on, you ensemble of estranged evangelical eagles? Welcome to Total Pod Mode episode 4. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I'm once again, as always, joined by Will, also known as Huda Funk. Hey, How you doing, man? Yo. I'm doing good, man. Oh. I've come in today hot. I'm feeling lively. I'm feeling good for the podcast. Some good energy levels. I like it. Good I energy like it. levels, man. I'm here. I'm yeah. ready for it. Let's go. Let's get it. More, more awake this week? Episode 4, baby. Oh. He's babied us. Yeah, we go in. We go in. No, no, nine espressos this week. No espressos, espressos this week. No, no, nine espressos. No. no, no, no. We're going on pure. I hate to say it, James. I'm high on life. Maybe. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, I say that and now I suddenly feel deflated again. So yeah, I guess that, exactly. that was sure. I mean, anyway, let's just get on with the podcast, I guess. I was going to say, you, yeah. you killed all your energy in one go now. I might just use to... It's just gone now. Just get on, I yeah. suppose. Like. I mean, do you, yeah. want, do you want to do the intro or shall I say, do I say my game was out or do you want to say yours or what do you want to do? I did, I did that already. You did it? I already, oh, I already oh, yeah. said both your... Dude, I was paying attention. Anyway, yeah. Um. so what do I do? My game but attack no, now? So no, I've already done yours. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, God, yeah. you really weren't listening at all. No, really. no. I, well, I mean, I was, I was, I guess, enjoying that brief high and then we were yeah. back to... Maybe, maybe you should go have nine espressos yeah. if, that's your, if that's your concentration <laughs> yeah. level this time. I think that's probably what I need to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> I'll come back. I'll come back. Total off me my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> As always, you can find the, the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, really. We're, we're pretty much everywhere. And all you've got to do is search for Total Pod Mode. Uh, we also post regular video content of playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast in its entirety for you lucky people on our YouTube channel, also called Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. And whilst you're there, you can also find me at Mr. Bames. And I'm also on Twitch uh, under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter. And I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And now we've gotten all that lovely social stuff out of the way. I'm feeling pumped again, James. I'm feeling good okay. again. Oh, we did the energy the levels are rising. Energy levels rising. We did the socials. Oh, shit, man. Let's, let's talk about some fucking games before they drop again, man. It's the catch-up oh. time. And there it is. There we go. Now, yeah. now I'm deflated. We're both deflated <laughs> now. Okay. Oh, let's dear. get on with it, I guess. But no, so as, as Will has uh, very eloquently pointed out there, we do like to start off our podcast, as always, with a little catch-up about what we've been doing the previous week. So... Will, why don't you kick us off? What, what have you been playing or, or watching or whatever this week? Uh, well, James, uh, this week, I've got to say, I haven't been playing as much games as I'd have liked to. But one of the titles I've picked up again after completing the Borderlands Challenge last week, I've actually been having a bit more freedom and a bit more free time. So I picked up Elden Ring again and picked up the uh, the Twitch series that I'm streaming. It's about time I completed Elden Ring. 
Which it is. Which it is. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the uh, first area I went to was actually Farah Mazul because finishing the stream last time, I killed the red fire giant and I was just about to go up to his giant cereal bowl. But I... Uh, I always I, thought it looked more like a pestle and mortar. Yeah. A, maybe cereal, a, I can see cereal bowl. A pestle without the mortar or a mortar without the pestle. Which which one's which? I'm never quite sure. I'm not sure either. <laughs> I if you the... if you know what the difference between the pestle and mortar is, please let us know in the comments. Jump in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished the stream right then and there, um, just leading up to that moment. After picking up the stream, I went over, picked up the extra grace site, which is the equivalent of a bonfire in the Soul series. Had a little chat with Melina. I think she burned the tree down. Did she burn the tree down? Is that what happens at that point? Um, the Erd tree, is, is that now burnt? Because I just kind of like, she started to give off fire. And then she burnt herself, but then I kind of think the tree changed a bit, but then I went off to Faramazul before I saw any noticeable change. So I'm assuming that either it happens there or it happens once I'm in Faramazul that I actually then burned down the Erd tree. Nah, so you're right the first time. Uh, she's assuming that you didn't do the Chaos Fire ending prerequisite, which is where you have to jump down a big pit and you go get clutched by the three fingers rather than the two. No, I've, I've yet to do that, no. So, okay, so you haven't done that. In which case, I believe what happens is she offers herself as almost the kindling to set the earth tree on fire, as you say. That's right, so yeah. She, so she's essentially deaded, but she, she used her essence to set fire to the tree. And then I teleported, woke up in Faramazul, and everything had gone to shit, basically. Pretty much. You have to do some stuff in Faramazula that will allow you to get through the roots that are blocking your path behind the throne room, if you remember that, after the Morgoth fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought when I first did it that the tree burning would sort that out, but no, there's something else you have to do first. Right. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there's a boss you have to beat and then that essentially unlocks it. While I was there, though, I did I dipped my toes in and I beat the Godskin duo. I would say it wasn't an honourable battle. I did call in my summon buddy to, to help me out, which is essentially just a, a mimic of myself. So I just have a, another one of me. We double down. But hey, I mean... Double anchors. Double skin duo. I duoed them down as well. They, they duo, I duo. Yeah. Them's the rules. Do you know the cheese to that boss fight? Duo. Nah. Nah? <laughs> it's not. Summon. That helps massively. But what no, it? it's... Um, you know, uh, it's the sleep bombs that you can craft. Oh, I was talking about this with uh, with a friend the other day. I think it was yesterday, actually. And he mentioned that, uh, again, another mutual friend of ours had played it and had actually slept the the chonky boy and just took on the skinny lad because uh, the yeah. chonky boy does his kind of... He, like, inflates his belly up yeah. and rolls around the room sort of for massive damage. So that's a nightmare. To... And it's really hard to avoid as well. I... Did have a good few goes at it. I think I was probably running around the maybe five, six, sort of seven goes, maybe more. But yeah, it did take me definitely a few attempts. So I, I got the fact that it was a very challenging boss fight. I didn't call in the summon right away. I thought that, you know, I was going to try and do it the honourable way. But no, in the end, uh, I had to call in the summons because what I was finding was that the, the big chonky boy was doing his rolling attack. And that was basically making it almost impossible for me to do anything. Yeah, and the other thing is the only respite you think you can find is hiding behind those pillars. But when the pillars get knocked down, exactly. they can, he, he can, his roll attack can then go over it, which doesn't help at all. I think I said during the stream, I said, oh, you know, this isn't so bad. Like, you know, they're shooting shit at me and I'm just hiding behind here. And then the moment he started doing that attack, it's like, yeah. well, well. 
So I decided that the tactic was to take them out quickly, which was actually how I ended up succeeding in the fight. I um, managed to get like in a kind of a lucky rhythm where me and my buddy were kind of, we took on the big guy first, managed to stagger him, got the critical, ended up killing him. And then before he was able to respawn, we actually did the same thing to the skinny guy. Yeah. And then the big chonky boy appeared again. And then we did the same to him. And then I think by that point, I think I only needed to put a few hits in the skinny guy after he came back. There was absolutely a point in the boss fight where I was just standing, staring at my mimic. And I think I was just like gesturing at him. Like, what do we do now? (laughs) The boss still has a third of his health and uh, it hasn't come back yet. (laughs) Yeah, no, that that was one thing that irritated me about that boss. Yeah. Didn't make it like harder necessarily. But when you've got, you know, for example, Ornstein and Schmau in Dark Souls 1, you beat one of them and... You, you're actually physically impossible to be both of them at the same time. One will always die and one will always survive. I was expecting the similar fare when I got to Godskin Duo. And then you just see that you kill one of them. And well, the first the first earmark, the first sort of warning sign, sure, should be that uh, there was only one health bar. Yeah, people, that's true. Yeah. Which I didn't clock until I killed one of them. And I was like, oh, right. You know, surely that should be at half health now, right? And yeah. Like, no, okay, it's not. What's going on here? And then, yeah, when they when they're when it came back to life, I was like, oh, really? That's how we're, we're playing, is it? Okay. Yeah. But I discovered the sleep thing relatively early doors in that fight, which helps so much because you can just put the big guy to sleep, focus on the little guy, um, rinse, repeat if you wanted. You know, you could just wait for big guy to wake up, he'll then respawn the little guy, and then you can put the big guy back to sleep and do it again if you want. Yeah, I I, I think I, agree. I definitely agree with you. I prefer the, the Dark Souls style of doing it with the kind of the two separate health bars. I, again, had that exact same experience where I was noticing the fact that it wasn't half health. And I kind of initially chalked it up to the fact that maybe they just didn't have the same health values. Like, one of them just had less health than the other. But yeah, I quickly realised that wasn't the case. And it did feel a little bit... It was just kind of there was no reason for them to uh, necessarily come back. I think I'd have preferred it at least if there was a justification. Like, for instance, if one of the enemies after one was dead he did some sort of spell that resurrected the other one and you could i don't know knock him out of the spell if you staggered him enough or something like that you know yeah or if it did like ornstein and smile did where it it has a, essentially a second phase based on the fact that you've killed one of them first yeah and it just upgrades the other one yeah that would yeah. have been an ideal but i mean failing that i would have taken just a resurrection spell that i could knock him out of so i could at least prevent yeah. that yeah, and to be fair, if they'd done the whole kill one of them, the other one becomes more powerful thing, everyone would have just like slagged it off. Uh, oh, it's just ripping off Ornstein and Smo, they've got no ideas. I think um, at this stage, I mean, that may happen for people that haven't played previous Souls games, but my kind of broader understanding of a lot of the people that enjoy and play Souls is that most of the stuff is good. They just want more of the same sort of thing. So I don't know whether many of the previous fans of the series would be that concerned about a, a rerun of the Ornstein and Smo fight. Wouldn't have bothered me. No, not at all. But I think that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, new players on this game, they were fussing over the fact that the character opens the doors of the game in the same animation that they've used in the previous titles. That was one of the criticisms early on I saw of Elden Ring, was that he does the classic opening the doors animation. And, like, my perception of that was, that's cool. The whole game feels like you're playing the same title, just an upgraded version with slightly different mechanics. And that's kind of the cause of enjoyment I got out of the game. I remember the first time I picked up Elden Ring. I just ran around and did a couple barrel rolls and swung my sword, and I was like, holy shit, this is Dark Souls 4. And I was just really happy at that point. Well, yeah, and it's got the same fucking weapons as well. Yeah, exactly. Whereas <laughs> some people might go, 
oh, well, they haven't moved on. As you say, they haven't got any new ideas. They've just been stuck doing the same game with various enemies. Even some of the enemies just completely lifted out of previous games, like the death eyeball. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The froggy bastards. They've been in all of them. Except for Blood... Were they in Bloodborne? I don't think they were in Bloodborne. Not to my memory. No, but they were in all the Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. It's it's apparently Miyazaki's favourite uh, favorite enemy in the game. Are those I things. can believe it, to be honest. And just for everyone's benefit, froggy bastards is the correct term, I think. Yeah, I think that's what Miyazaki calls them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, other than uh, the Godskin duo, which uh, you know, I had a good time with, I was pretty happy about that. As I say, I suddenly realised my mistake and that I was in essentially the end game area that was next to pretty much completing the game and doing something irreversible. So... Mm, well, yeah. Yeah, towards the end of that area, you're kind of like on a path at that point. No, the path's only set once you beat the final boss. Right, okay, okay. You can, as long as you don't beat the final boss of the area, you can still go back to a previous area that will soon be locked off to you. I just felt that I wanted to do it in the right sequence, and I felt like it was intended to do Faramazula as one of the very last areas. So I went back to the uh, the snowy area, the Land of the Giants or something like that, what's it something called? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, something the, like that. So I ended up in an area called the Consecrated Snowfields, and I ran into another boss there that was called Great Worm Theodrix. And I've got to say, I, I died quite a few times uh, against him as well. One of the tactics that I actually found that worked pretty well for me, and that was a winning tactic, was to actually lure him out and actually make him fight with one of the squid guys down the road. You know, one of those giant squid things. The squid guys. Yeah, the squid guys. I don't know them. <laughs> Squiddy boys, you know, with the beaky, the beaky squids. I do know. I think they're called land octopuses. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Yeah, I, I think, mean, that makes sense. I think, yeah. They are on land. Yeah. Are they the ones... Did you know that if uh, when they heal themselves, they eat their own tentacles? Oh, is if that what look, they're if doing? You look, if you look at the animation, that... they like eat one of their own tentacles and it heals them. Oh, okay. That's cool. I, I mean, I had noticed that they're able to heal themselves before. I saw the kind of the effect happen over them, but yeah, no, I hadn't clogged that. That's cool. Yeah. No, they're called land octopuses, but I prefer squiddy boys. Squiddy boys, yeah. Yeah. I, I lured the great worm to the squiddy boy and they just beefed it out basically and then I just sat there hacking away and you would be surprised how well a squiddy boy stands up to a great worm. I gotta say. No, they like, got they got a lot of health, man. They do have a lot of health. A lot of health. And because he wasn't able to achieve the critical hit, which is the thing that actually is the tactic. He was just repeatedly staggering it, but then it was fine, and then it went back and just kept on hitting. So it really stood up to it, and I just stood there after summoning, and we just basically just wailed on it from behind, and made it light work. But that wasn't uh, without dying, like, again, like a good handful of times, maybe four or five times or more, to him as well. And I suppose the only other thing i got to say is that I finally, after exploring a bit of Faramazole, I picked up the upgrade materials I needed to finally fully upgrade my anchor, which has been, other than the grafted greatsword, my kind of primary weapon. So a good all-round weapon for most things, really. And you get it super early in the game, which always helps. Yeah, it's a massive ship anchor. It literally looks yeah. like they've just yanked an anchor off a ship and now you're wielding it as a weapon. Yeah. Physically unless, you're, unless you're me and you miss the f***ing cave and you don't get it. <laughs> The other title that I've been playing a little bit of, uh, managed to squeeze in a couple hours earlier today, is I've made a return to Final Fantasy XIV Online. The continued tales of Björn the Vieira. <laughs> I've now got Björn to level 36, which isn't a huge step up. We did a dungeon earlier that was like Hatapalamana, something like that. B bless you. That's a thing. <laughs> 
that was the one of the names of the places. Uh, we did a dungeon in there, killed like a kind of a big stone gargoyle thing. It's pretty cool. And cool. finally progressed to story level 20, which means that I've now unlocked my first chocobo, which is a kind of, it's like a big feathered ostrich kind of thing. It's, it's yeah, it's essentially a giant land chicken. Always a big landmark moment in your MMO when you get your first mount, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I'm looking forward to being able to move a little faster around the map. The amount of variation you can get in the mounts is crazy. I've seen people running around in like a Cadillac that then they drive off and then it flies and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, that sounds very Final Fantasy to be Yeah, honest. yeah. I think that they must have pulled that from like Final Fantasy 15 or something like that. It reminds yeah. me of the car that you see the guys driving around in that. Oh, nice, man. And I suppose other than that, just a very least quick shout out. It's not a game that I've been playing because it's not out yet, but it's a game that I've been very much kind of conscious of uh, keeping an eye on and I'm really looking forward to a release. Sometime in 2023, uh, we mentioned it briefly on the podcast last week, Lies of P, which is a dark Pinocchio retelling, which features quests that can result in different endings to the game. Um, the quests are based around some sort of lying mechanic where, you know, as Pinocchio, you're able to either distort or completely just blatantly lie about the truth. <laughs> uh, and you'll be able to sort of provoke uh, different endings to the game. Does your nose grow... And if it does, can it be used as a weapon? I wish that were the case. I haven't <laughs> seen anything to suggest that thus far, but we'll see. We'll see what, we they, uh, what they come up with. You know, that may be something. Hopefully there's nose DLC or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping it's at least something you can, instead of a telekinesis spell, you can tell a lie and it extends your nose out and you press a button on the other side of the room or something. I mean, there's bound to be some sort of effect through lying. I've just wondered whether the effect is going to be good or bad. You can only assume it's going to be bad, right? You would assume so off the outset, but maybe it's to do with him becoming a real boy and being able to show real emotions and therefore it might lead to a positive <laughs> ending. I mean, man, crazier things have happened in games, right? I mean, it is a dark retelling of Pinocchio, so, I mean, the moral of Pinocchio was, you know, about not lying. Maybe this one's actually encouraging you to lie? I don't know, we'll find out at some point in 2023. Well, I must say, man, I, I've uh, based on last week when you said, you know, do check out the trailer because I think you'd be really into it. I have checked out some trailers since. And I've got to say, it does look right up my street. It looks very dark, but also at the same time quite modern in a weird way. It's kind of steampunk, but still gothy. And I quite like that. There's so I'm very curious to see how it goes. There yeah. is a bit of Bloodborne vibes in it, but at the same time, there isn't. Because it's a bit more steampunk, yeah. a little bit more modern, yeah. I'd say. I mean, mate, he's got a robot arm, for example. What did you think when you saw that? Did it bring back any kind of images of uh, Sekiro for you at all? Uh, I did think that. But then at the same time, it reminded me more of, I mean, not really like in terms of game mechanics, but aesthetically speaking, it reminded me more of things like Darksiders, where you have a big old gauntlet on. Yeah. And that gives like... you sort of the strength to rip out doors and things of that nature. It reminded me more of that. I'm sure that there's plenty of abilities that the trailer has yet to reveal. So I'm really looking forward to getting in and finding out what those are. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, obviously at this early stage... They're not going to want to play all their cards straight away. They're going to want to keep some close to their chest. Um, I, I don't recall seeing too many mechanics of any sort in the trailers that I've seen. Just sort of snippets of what you can expect. The thing that intrigued me the most about the stuff I've seen, particularly the, the link that you sent me earlier today, was um, the variety of weapons that are potentially on offer. Because I think yeah. I saw there was one scene where he had almost like a shovel on his back. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. So there is actually that... like a weapon making system in the game. Oh, is there? Okay, that's yeah. cool. 
So really weapon crafting is available, and my understanding uh, of it is that there's essentially two main components to every weapon. You've got the hilt or the handle, and you've got the the end of the blade. By changing which hilt you wield, you essentially change your move set. Right. And by changing the blade, you change things, or you know, the blade or the hammer or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, you then change the type of damage it deals, the amount of damage it deals, and things like that. So you can essentially well, potentially, it sounds like wheel different weapons with various movesets for each, you know, end of the weapon. Sounds quite cool. That does sound very cool. And when you say the different size, if you like, of the weapon, do you mean so you could have like a long old shaft with a an axe on it and it would be like a great axe, but then you could take the same axe bit and have it on a much shorter shaft and it would be like just a hand axe, so a bit quicker maybe. I'm gesticulating wildly with my arms that no one can see with a way to demonstrate. But uh, James is literally like carving up an imaginary person yeah. in front of him. Yeah. Person, warthog, you know. <laughs> no, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. We leave those warthogs alone. So I do need to add as well that I don't, you know, I've never actually seen any of this stuff in practice. I have only oh. sort of read some descriptions about the game. Um, so I'm not entirely sure on the specifics. I am just aware that essentially different parts of the weapon will affect not only stats, but the way that you wield it. And the way that you described there sounds completely reasonable. I think that that's a, a pretty solid assumption that it will work somewhat like that. I'm also thinking two-handed, one-handed, things of that nature. I yeah. Mean, I, it remains to be seen whether it'll be like a, a Dark Souls type deal where you can have both single and double-handed movesets for each weapon. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm glad that you brought it to my attention because as I say, I was completely unaware of it and it looks pretty damn cool. It's exciting stuff and I wanted to bring it back on the podcast because I feel like uh, it's a game that we'll definitely be excited about as it comes more towards release. And I just wanted to do it a bit more justice in terms of uh, describing some of the things to our listeners so just so they can uh, check it out too. What have you been up to this week other than the Resident Evil 4 challenge, of course? Well, so this week has been a week, I think is probably the uh, diplomatic way to put it on the podcast. And as such, I have not managed to get as much gaming in as I would have liked at all. So I really have very little to talk about at this stage because, I mean, we'll save the, the resi chat for later on in the pod. So really, I, I would have loved to have come to you saying that I'd finished Thymesia by now. I did wonder... After what you'd said in the last episode, it sounded like you were kind of rounding that off. Yep, I, I really wanted to come to this episode and say, yep, I've finished that. And I, as I also mentioned in last week's episode, uh, a game called Steel Rising, made by Spiders, was due to come out. It actually came out yesterday at the time of recording. And I would have loved to have come on and said, yeah, I picked that up and I've played a good hour or so of that and give you my initial thoughts. But sadly, all I've played outside of Resi 4 is a little bit of The Golf Club 2019. <laughs> and by a little bit, I mean... I've maybe played like, no, no, I mean, you know, probably two hours. Right. But across the whole gamut of time this week, basically, you know, two days this week, I didn't play anything at all. So very boring, very short, unfortunately, but uh, weeks won't always be like this one. So (laughs) hopefully this time next week, I'll have a few more things to talk about because uh, I do intend to finish Thymesia and I do intend to pick up Steel Rising. So watch this space. But unfortunately for this week, that's all I got for you. Hey man, well, you're free next week anyway. You're free of the challenge. So you're absolutely, you'll be there then to complete the uh, Thymester. I'm really looking forward to finding out how you got on with the final boss. Uh, and uh, Still Rising is a game that I've heard more about this week. Just watching a few discussions on some Reddit threads. And it sounds like a really interesting game. Both of these titles I'm keen to pick up at some point. 
And yeah, I'm keen to hear your first impressions next week for Still Rising. Yeah, and I'm keen to give them, man. I'm I'm actually a big fan of Spiders, the developer that did this. Uh, I mentioned last week that they're responsible for Greedfall, which I think is an excellent little RPG. Um, so I've actually got there's a lot of goodwill with me for like for Spiders. Like I I like the developer, so I'm I'm really keen to see their first foray into a Souls like. I think it'd be great. And with that said, I think we've uh, covered off the catch up there. So now it's time for some news. Okay, so the first news story this week uh, that I've got for you is an article from The Gamer that states that AGDQ, which is Awesome Games Done Quick for anyone that doesn't know the abbreviation, 2023 is to be held online due to Florida's anti-LGBTQ plus and COVID policies. So for a bit of background on this, uh, the AGDQ events are normally held sort of in a live arena or hall. So, so essentially what it is, is people do speed runs or challenge runs or glitch runs type deal for charity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's typically a cancer charity or th- and things of that nature. And these seem to be quite communal events as well. Everyone sort of sat around. I mean, in a lot of the streams I've seen, it looks like the, uh, the, the runner is sat there ready to go on the sofa with maybe a commentator or two on either side, perhaps the, uh, the host for the stream. And then in the background, there's usually an audience and they're quite, you know, they'll often cheer, you know, there'll be sort of some interaction every so often, um, people pledging off donations and doing things specifically for additional donations. So I think it does add quite a lot to those events, at least from the streams that I've seen. It really does. And it gives them a nice atmosphere that, that, you know, you can't really recreate by doing it on a Zoom call, for example. So, you know, those were the the reasons that were given for cancelling the event. Um, I've got a quote from someone uh, from ADGQ says, given the state's continued disregard for COVID-19's dangers and an increased aggression towards LGBTQ plus individuals, including the law colloquially known as Don't Say Gay. We do not believe it's a safe place for our community at this time, and I for one completely endorse this decision. Respect to AGDQ and whoever the parent company is, if that's not what their name is, because, you know, we need to be taking a stand against this sort of thing. You know, it's 2022, we need to be in a more inclusive world. But what are your thoughts on it, man? Yeah, no, I think that you're absolutely spot on with this. I think that, you know, if they don't feel that the people attending the event are going to feel safe or they're going to feel comfortable, then, you know, I doubt they're going to see much of a return audience. I feel like they could actually damage their own reputation if they were to handle this badly. So I think that, yeah, no, I think this is the right call. Unfortunately, uh, this is the right call. It being online won't take away from the event itself. I think it's still a really cool thing to be doing. And obviously it all goes to charity, right? That's something that shouldn't be sneezed at. I think it's great that the event's still going ahead, but as we've mentioned before, a shame that it won't be in person because it does add a little bit more flavour to the atmosphere and you do get some good banter back and forth with the crowd sometimes. What else have you been reading up on this week, James? So our second story today uh, is actually a follow-up from one that we spoke about last week. Um, We mentioned last week that Microsoft were being taken to court, essentially, due to their purchase of Activision Blizzard sort of that's being looked at to see if it's fair basically but essentially is what's come out uh, this week is jim ryan from playstation has called out microsoft over their inadequate call of duty deal so a little bit of background uh, in the story last week we touched on that we didn't think call of duty would be made xbox exclusive because it would basically be killing a cash cow for both microsoft and activision blizzard yeah we were pretty concrete in that opinion but we were very confident in that opinion steadfast even but what is stated in this article is that basically microsoft have committed to sony that they can have the you know that they'll 
keep the license going essentially for three years so that it's on both platforms, but then they're being quite non-committal about it after that. Yes. Yeah. Which, which Jim Ryan has said that that is inadequate and it fails to take into account the impact on our gamers. We're talking, of course, about the PlayStation ecosystem. Uh, he goes on to say that he hadn't intended to comment on what he understood to be a private business discussion, but he felt the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer had brought this into the public forum. And it's being called out now because, obviously, Phil Spencer's ethos, as we've said a couple of times now, is that, you know, all gamers should be able to play all games. And he's been quite pally with Sony in a weird way. He's never sort of mm. slagged them off like openly. He's sort of said, you know, I'm always willing to open do deals with them. And, you know, Minecraft has been multi-platform for all time, right? And there's yeah, no, absolutely. and that's not stopping. But um, apparently they've only given them a guarantee for three years. It's not long. That's three titles, considering the Call of Duty is a yearly release. Exactly. It's three titles and possibly a couple more DLCs for war zone or something like that mm. so obviously jim ryan is uh pretty peeved about that and he thinks that it should be a larger commitment and to be honest i'm probably inclined to agree with him what would you reckon man yeah it sounds like we're both agreeing that this is a uh it's a very small commitment that doesn't necessarily mean that they are planning on taking it off of the platform after three years you know this could be just sort of a bit of a potential guess out clause should the situation change that they're then able to uh, boost sales on the xbox by making it an exclusive i'm still leaning on the same opinion that we had last week though that i think that they would be losing out on a lot of potential uh, revenue in terms of players being able to access their games well interestingly enough i actually have a second article on the same topic the, the headline in this article which is from uh, the gamer is jim ryan has no right to comment on call of duty and xbox um and this article actually references that they've guaranteed for six years rather than three. So, uh, you know, slightly you know, it's double the okay. time. We're dancing around the uh, dancing around with the suspected years there. See, I'd heard four years. I didn't want to correct you earlier, you but I'd also read an article that said four years. <laughs> so basically, no one fucking knows who, what Xbox are committed to here. But we'll call it four to six years. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere between three to six yeah. years. Basically some time. I'm starting to see why uh, Jim Ryan's getting a little shaky on this. It's the uncertainty. Yeah. He doesn't like it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, I, I could, I'm sort of, I'm siding with him a bit now. That we're <laughs> well, this article is a bit more subjective, it appears, because, you know, the writer has openly stated that they don't really care about Call of Duty, so they're not really, they don't really have a horse in this race. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but their argument is that uh, Jim Ryan doesn't have a leg to stand on with this argument. I'm editorialising this based on just that statement alone. Um, it would probably be because PlayStation, Sony have had so many exclusives of their own over the years that, you know, just because they're now getting the treatment from Xbox that, you know, why should they be treated any differently to Xbox? How Xbox have been over the years, which I agree with to a point, I think. But I do understand the difference with it being Call of Duty, big old multi-platform, a lot of money involved on all platforms. Whereas with the exclusives for PlayStation, sure, they were big AAA games. You know, I'm thinking like your God of Wars, your Spider-Man. Or Last of Us. Yeah, you know, your Metal Gears for a bit. I know Death they're there. Stranding. They came on both a bit later, but yeah, you know. Ghost of Tsushima, Horizon. <laughs> fucking Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, so I can see it from that point. But um, I do, I do understand the difference with it being you know, such a big cash cow. Agreed, you know, I don't think any of this scale, any game franchise of this scale has ever gone from a, uh, 
a multi-platform thing to or at least a multi-console thing because we are you know obviously have to keep in mind that this will still release on pc as well but it will be the first time that a franchise this large has actually gone from multi-console to single console platform given that it's got that sort of that largest reach out there it's certainly you know i can't imagine that it would come even close to something like horizon zero dawn which is obviously now available on pc yeah i think i probably agree with you there man and i've just found another conflict well not conflicting but it sort of ties in why there's some confusion apparently it is uh they've got uh, the call of duty deal with playstation if you like four three yeah. years and then they've committed to a further three years after that oh is that to appease the cma quite possibly Yes, right, that'll probably be there, you know, because maybe this is to avoid that uh, sort of phase two review that we were discussing last week that they're hoping to appease you know what? with that. Now you've said that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they've tacked it It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess watch this space still. I mean, it sounds like this story's going to take a few more twists and turns towards the end. It feels like there's a bit of sour grapes in there, but understandably, Phil Spencer and Microsoft want to get the best deal for them, having just spent $69 billion on Activision Blizzard. You know, he's going to want to get the most out of his investment. So understandable, really. But moving on to something a little bit less businessy, we had some news uh, in the UK this week. Obviously, Her Majesty the Queen passed away. And as a result... The Nintendo Direct that you mentioned, I believe, last week, might have been a couple of weeks ago, can't remember exactly when, uh, there was going to be essentially a Zelda-themed Nintendo Direct. A Zelda-themed bonanza. Exactly. What they were using. Um, You know, uh, for the upcoming Breath of the Wild 2. Apparently that's now been delayed as a result of the Queen's death. But interestingly, and the reason I bring it up, because apparently the Queen really enjoyed Wii Bowling. So they do. So Nintendo are sort of doing it as like a sign of respect. So out of sign of respect for her royal highness, because she played Wii bowling, has decided to pause off the Nintendo Direct. I mean, I suppose that's it's a it's a it's a nice gesture of yeah. Nintendo to, to 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 do that. But no. So interestingly, she wasn't just a, she wasn't just a fan of Wii bowling. Palace sources claim that she was hooked on Wii bowling. Hooked on it, Jesus. She was. Perfect score, Queenie. No, and apparently this all comes uh, as a result of Prince William being given a Wii for Christmas one year by Kate Middleton and, you know, good old Queenie getting involved and just absolutely adoring Wii Bowling. And so, he know, never, William never got a look in. Nah, I doubt it. I mean, would you fuck with the Queen? <laughs> you know, let's be real. But no, so, uh, you know, it's uh, I don't like to bring up the negative story, but I thought that was quite a nice little twist on it and, you know, something that I personally didn't know about the Queen. No, yeah, it's it's nice to get that insight, and it is nice that Nintendo have actually uh, have done this sort of small gesture just as a sign yeah. of respect. Well, I should say it's been reported that they're going to. They haven't actually done it yet at the time of recording, so we'll see. But uh, a nice touch if they do. And the final story, well, I'm actually going to let you lead on because I don't know as much about this as you. But uh, potential of a Silent Hill two remake. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So on my trawling through Reddit and gaming news this week, I had a look and I discovered, according to VGC News, that some images have showed up on the internet this week claiming to show Konami's Silent Hill 2 remake. Konami has passed the project, uh, according to the source, over to the medium studio Bloober Team. So the team has been previously linked to the Silent Hill franchise over the last year and a half. Last year, the Polish developer announced a cooperation agreement between themselves and Konami, 
Shortly after, Bloober's CEO claimed that it was working with an existing horror IP from, quotes, a very famous gaming publisher. Ooh, spicy. As an extra aside to this story, Silent Hill's main composer, Akira Yamaoka, even actually has previously worked with Bloober on their 2021 title, The Medium, and teased his next game project by stating that it was the one you've been hoping to hear about. So... There's a lot of, uh, you know, I'm absolutely, as a long-term Silent Hill fan, not at all unused to hearing about rumours about some sort of Silent Hill remake or a Silent Hill follow-up title. And i got to say, with the way that the series has been treated over the last few titles, um, I had kind of lost all hope in the franchise, really, and I just saw it as one of those sort of buried franchises that was unlikely to ever resurrect. Uh, although I did keep that small glimmer of hope in my heart that uh, we might see a true Silent Hill game one day again. I don't know how to feel. I I think that uh, there's mixed reception to some of Bloober's previous games, like The Medium, one that we referenced earlier in the title. I do get a slight sense that Konami is kind of farming this one out on the cheap, uh, which does concern me slightly, but would also be in line with, you know, some of the, uh, the previous business decisions that Konami has made. Yeah, I mean, I know very little about the Silent Hill franchise. It's not something I have nostalgia for. I'm aware that the original plan was after PT that um, Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro were going to do the next new Silent Hill game. Yeah, I remember hearing that news. I just couldn't yeah. wait for it at that point. That was the best thing I'd heard in since forever. Exactly. I mean, not even being particularly into the franchise, but hearing those two names involved in a collab together, that's enough to get you excited, you know? I would love to see sort of Kojima's unusual take on gameplay elements and sort of new things that he would inject into the series, combined with sort of Guillermo's uh, vision for the monsters in the game as well. I think he's got some, you know, a good pedigree in horror movies, uh, as well as movies that aren't even necessarily horror movies, like Pan's Labyrinth, where they still manage to sort of create some really creepy, eerie, twisted uh, looking creations there yeah and i think that that just fits perfectly with silent hill as well kojima actually in that aspect feels like the wild card on that one because he's going to kind of shake it up a little bit whereas i feel like Guillermo would be quite well suited to designing monsters for silent hill no and you're absolutely right on that um but the point i was going to make was when that got canned and the way it got canned as well that made me lose faith in konami so they, uh, you know, and if they're yeah. now farming it out on the cheap, as you say, potentially, that doesn't instill any confidence in me whatsoever that this new Silent Hill game that's potentially coming is going to be any good. I really hope that, that pro- they prove me wrong and that they release an absolute brilliant game if it is a new Silent Hill game. But uh, I'm very pessimistic about the situation for the reasons I've just outlined. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I mean, I would love to be excited for a Silent Hill game, but given the performance of the last few, as well as some of the news surrounding this title, it's definitely one of those where I'll sort of... How excited I am for this game remains to be seen at this point until we see much, much more, and a lot of the concerns that I've got are addressed. I do wonder if this is almost a testing of the waters for a new Silent Hill series that's going to be coming out. And I think that's a perfectly fair assessment. I don't put it beyond them to be testing the waters, given all of the backlash after the PT debacle. There's going to be a lot of people, myself included probably, that do sort of go into it thinking, "Eh, is this going to be as good as it could have been? We'll see. I think watch this space. We'll see what what comes out in the coming months and years, potentially, um, and we'll take it from there. I'll be watching this space intently. I'm definitely keen to see more. I just want to see more so that I can assure myself that it's going to be okay. The Silent Hill HD collection was not okay, James. <laughs> I just want there to be more Silent Hill. 
I just need more Silent Hill in my life. Please. Yeah, that's fair enough. And with that, we're done with the news, so now it's time to move on to the challenge. I've been looking forward to this, James. One of my big, big favourite titles. Yep, another one of your big favourite ones. So for the benefit of our listeners and viewers, the challenge that Will sent me last week was to play Resident Evil 4, a game that I've never played before, nor have I particularly been involved in the series much, aside from a co-op playthrough of 5 with Will here. As I mentioned at the the top of the show, this week has been a bit of a week. So I unfortunately haven't been able to put as much time as I perhaps would have wanted into this game. That being said, I did finish it. Hey! Well well, done, man. We'll get that out of the way earlier. Nine and a half hours. Good shit, man. Nine and a half hours. That's some good completion time as well. And that is including... Well, sorry, it's not included in the time, but that factors in the fact that I played the first hour and a half defeated a boss, realised I'd missed an achievement, and started again. (laughs) No way. Yeah, way. So there's an achievement for shooting the water when you get to Del Lago. Yes. Yeah, there's a little Easter egg there. Yeah, and I thought that that achievement would pop when I beat the boss rather than doing something special. So I started again. (laughs) Where to begin with this game, man? It's taken me through a whole range of emotions. Do tell. So... I knew going into this game that the control scheme was going to be bullshit, right? Well, let's let's go gentle. Bullshit. Well, no. <laughs> I knew it was going to be bullshit. <laughs> and I was right to a degree. When I first started playing this game, I was like, what the fuck is this nonsense? You're not able to aim whilst moving, which is not a massive deal, but it's something that you just get used to. It's a standard in pretty much everything Exactly, else. exactly. Yeah. The whole, um, the, the way the shooting mechanic works, where you have to hold down right trigger, move with the stick, with the laser sight, and then fire. You know, getting used to all that was tough at first. And I hated it at first. I really did. It did made, you really? I, I absolutely <laughs> hated it. It really made me not like playing the game. It wasn't fun for me at first. But I got used to the controls and then that wasn't too much of an issue. But the, so, that, so that was really my first emotion that this took me on was anger. <laughs> anger at the control scheme. <laughs> anger at how, at how not fun I thought this was going to be to get through, right? But then I, you know, I cracked on. You know, I'd completed the village defeated Del Largo, as I mentioned earlier, which um, is a kind of big old lizard-type monster inside a lake that sort of drags you about while you're on a speedboat and you lob harpoons at it whilst dodging stuff. How did you get on with this boss fight? Because this is one that can, essentially, it can really give even speedrunners a difficult time. Yeah. Well, I, I beat it first time. Oh, well, well done. Well done. Uh, twice. Because <laughs> I had to do it twice. Twice, nice. I, you know, I didn't no-hit it or anything like that. I did get knocked off my boat and have to swim back. And, you know, there was, you know, a little bit of tension there, you know, with it swimming towards you. And there's a couple of times the cutscene for that changes and it looks like it's going to get you, but then it doesn't because it sort of pans behind Del Largo as it swims towards you rather than Leon facing the boat. That's right, I mean. yeah. So that was, you know, that was cool. So then from there, I carried on playing and it was becoming more enjoyable i was getting more used to it i was getting a little bored by the enemies there wasn't much change in that no there's like maybe five different villager models i think at yeah that point. maybe maybe, maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you know then it introduces the mechanic where the um the parasites come out of their heads on some of them i think that's in chapter two when you get to the night time and that's you're, right yeah and you're backtracking through the village um but really there was nothing much to report in terms of game change until you got to the castle after that so how did you find um how did you f- oh god i've forgotten his name now the dude that you fight in the barn he splits in half as you're shooting him uh the chief i forget his name too is it, is it mendez eye. again i i i 
I didn't do it first time this time because I didn't realize there were two phases because right, one yeah. one thing that I should probably cover off straight away is I find it very weird that you can buy rocket launchers that one shot the bosses. <laughs> I, I yes. thought that was a kind of a weird mechanic there and uh, they're infinite. So you can, they're one use, one time use, you only get one round in each one, but you can then buy them ad nauseum. They never run out of stock. They are very expensive though, are they not? They're definitely 30,000. Kind of... Oh right, okay, yeah. I think it was, um, which is a lot, but by the time you're finding treasures, selling treasures, it's not that bad. So, and you know, and, and the, the village chief boss got me because I shot the rocket launcher at him, which knocked him straight into phase two, and then it killed me instantly. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. But so what I then did was I fought it again used normal guns for phase one and then when it got into the whole swinging through the rafters phase in phase two yeah, i just waited yeah. for the opportune moment and then one banged it nice okay yeah god that's i've never used that technique before at all on that boss what i was looking forward to you hearing uh, hearing you talk about it i was interested to see sort of from the perspective of someone who's not played it before how you yeah. got on well I, I, sh I will probably spoil it a little bit for you now well, pretty much every single boss i used a rocket launcher with no way <laughs> yeah Oh, amazing! So even like the uh, the Ganado dude, the big giant guy. No, El El Gigante, I didn't. No, El El Gigante, I I did legit uh, with the help of a lovely little dog that I rescued at the start of the game. Was, which... That was what I was going to ask yeah. you. Did you save the dog? Of course, <laughs> yeah, I saved the nice. dog. Are you kidding me? Why wouldn't you save the dog? Uh, well, me and dogs, you know. Well, yeah, dog history with dogs. I won't lie, I did f with shooting it because I thought it might become a zombie dog. <laughs> but then I actually realised there's no zombies in this game whatsoever. No. But yeah, but El Gigante, yeah, you, no, that wasn't scary at all. That, that was that was just annoying because uh, he's got one move. You can run between his legs, and I found this with a lot of the bosses. Some of the hitboxes are very weird. You'd yes, be you'd be behind you. him, like through his legs. You'd run away. He'll do a swipe in front of his body and hit you. Oh wow! I'd never quite run into that before. <laughs> so then, if it's like a trailing leg behind, still under the legs, and the hitbox just happens, to, I don't know what it is, but that was a bit weird. But no, so then you know. Did all that, got to the castle, and this is when really the Ashley portion of the game starts. Really, you do rescue her before, but yeah, I was going to ask you. You'd mentioned some concerns about the Ashley, uh, yes. Ashley looking after Ashley during the playthrough. Yeah, and I must say, my concerns were completely unfounded. You know, I don't get me wrong annoying when she does get taken sometimes yes she's slow she lags behind a lot and she, and when she when she's like near someone she'll duck down to avoid an attack and that's so slow because i what i'm doing is at certain points i'm just running past yeah and if she yeah. stays standing and follows me it's fine no issue but when she ducks and you know gets taken away and then you know you try and shoot the guy and you shoot her <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, the, the the issue there is that when you spin round and you aim your gun, she automatically does the thing to duck to avoid your bullets, but that yeah. often shoots you in the foot because you want her to keep running rather than duck. Exactly, yeah. So no, that actually really didn't factor into my enjoyment or lack thereof at all. That was a mechanic I was really, wor really worried about, in fact, but actually it was fine. And I did quite like the way that her and Leon interacted in terms of, you know, they could work together to get over certain obstacles or there, there's one room in the castle in particular where you take out five or six enemies in the room. You then have to take her over. You piggyback her up onto a ledge and she has to rotate some sort of pulley system to raise a couple yeah, of bridges. Right. Yeah, this, this is, that's actually one of the levels in the game that's notorious for being very difficult. How did you get on with it? I didn't do it first time. But it, it was sort of once you know where the enemies are going to come from. And at this point, I had 
bought myself the semi-automatic rifle. Yeah, that's kind of a must at this point in the game if you're uh, particularly in your first playthrough. Yeah, so I was didn't have much ammo, but I was able to snipe a few of them, and that gun is great. One-shot headshots, uh, which is a rare commodity in that fucking game. You would have thought shooting things in the head would do something, but it doesn't seem to do anything. No, it's kind of more used as like a delaying mechanic yeah. for them. So briefly, before you pick this game up, I gave you a little... A little cheeky hint for your challenge along the way, which is to focus on shooting them in the knees or heads, and then you can run up to them and do a melee move on them. Yeah. Do you find much use in that mechanic? Only really when it was one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, maybe right. maybe two on one. I didn't find in crowds, no. See, I, I almost purely use it for crowd control. You see, what I was doing in crowds was I was doing the first part, so I was shooting them in the head or knees to stagger them. And then I just run around. Oh, I see. Okay. Because I, I, this is, I think, one of the reasons I was able to complete it relatively quickly is that I didn't engage where I didn't have to. Yes, that will get you through the game much quicker. I mean, certainly that's a, kind of the suggested tactic for the earlier Resident Evil titles. But I, I've absolutely noticed in RE4 that there's absolutely loads of sections where you can just run past all the enemies and move on to the next area. I'm starting to understand how you got your nine-hour playthrough now. <laughs> nine, nine and a half. Let's be let's be reasonable. <laughs> and rockets on every single boss. <laughs> Pretty much, man. I think the well only done, ones. Well done, man. You found the way. You did I think it. the only ones I didn't use a rocket on was um, Krauser. There's a little secret about Krauser. Or just use the knife. Yes, he's extremely yeah. weak to knife damage. I knew that the knife would be the good strat because of the quick time event cutscene previously. The knife fight that they have, yeah. yeah. To me, that was like a sort of calling card of, okay, yeah. guys, use use the knife against this guy. Oh, it's cool that you picked up on that. Because I didn't really use the knife all that much otherwise. I did occasionally do the strat that you said, where you go up to someone, shoot them in the head or knee, kick them so they fall over, and then just knife them to death on the floor. Yeah, it's good for when you're low on ammo. Yeah, which I've got to say happened not as much as I thought it would. So it actually, to my mind, was one of the early games that actually took account of which weapons you were using and would actually prioritise giving you ammunition based on what you were using. Yeah, I only used four weapons the whole run if we're not including the rocket launcher. I should say four weapon types. Did you buy the Red 9 pistol? The, no, I didn't uh, the Mauser buy the Red type. 9 pistol. Oh, that's my favourite gun. I, I got given the Punisher for collecting yeah. all 15 of those blue medallions. So the Punisher, whenever you shoot an enemy, the bullet travels through and can yeah. hit enemies behind them. Exactly, really handy. So I used that for the whole game when I got it. Nice. Um, I used the shotgun for ages until I could buy the striker shotgun. That's a, Yeah, that's very good. It has a massive so wide So the 12 rounds burst. and the wide burst. It, it, you don't even kill stuff with it. Like you say, you shoot a whole bunch of enemies, they all fall to the floor, run round. Yeah. So good. Um, the semi-automatic rifle that I mentioned earlier, and then I briefly had the broken butterfly before upgrading it to the killer seven is it called um or the deadly seven or something it's something like that yeah, yeah. i can't remember what it yes but the the the, the best the magnum, magnum in the, the game magnum, yeah. yeah and i and by the time i you know for the final final boss saddler i just sold all of my shit and i upgraded it to full damage and it does it ends up doing like 30 damage a hit or something nonsensical like that nice yeah uh, not quite as much as the rockets thirty thousand which I had to look up, but... It actually does, the, it just does. Amazing. Yeah. But yeah, no, and the Magnum was great. And I actually found a surprising amount of ammo for it as well. I think I found about 20 rounds, which I wasn't expecting. So as a bit of a newcomer to the Resident Evil series, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Magnum is basically the most prized weapon in the game, even beyond the rocket launcher. It is the it is the sort of pound for pound, the most powerful weapon in the game, I'm pretty sure. Excluding yeah. the rocket launcher that triggers the cutscene at the end of most Resident Evil titles is... Well, the special were... rocket launcher, you mean? Yeah, there's always a special rocket launcher yeah. that triggers a cutscene at the end of Resident Evil titles. 
That's probably not accurate for all of them, but for the most yeah. that I can remember, it's certainly the case. Yeah, but no, so, th- so they were the weapons I used for most of the run, and sort of uh, the castle was a really cool section, I thought. I've, I've got to be honest, a lot of the puzzles didn't land for me in this game. They were just a bit too basic or a bit too needlessly complex. They're quite easy. The one that instantly springs to mind in terms of when I say needlessly complex is when you're fighting it, or it does have a name, I can't remember what it's called, U3 maybe oh geez when you're fighting that thing and phase one and you're having to run between shoot the green lights to press switches to them run that was just oh yeah yeah, a complete hassle that was it wasn't difficult enough for it to be challenging and engaging but it wasn't easy enough for it to just be something you have to just chore it was just pointless and it was really boring Likewise, that fucking on-rails bit where Ashley's driving that fucking big old machine. Oh, thing. that's another scene that I was looking forward to asking you oh about Oh my well. god, it's so one. fucking tedious. Like, so how did tedious. You, uh, how did you get on with it? Absolutely <laughs> fine, well, absolutely fine until the last bit where you've got, um, you get up the lift and you're coming out and you're killing things behind you that are dropping on you and then the truck comes from in front of you. That's right, yeah. So the yeah. Fa- and by this time they I ram had- you off the uh, off the rails, don't you? Well, no, it's kind of it flips over you and lands on you. It's really weird. Oh. <laughs> so what I by that point I had basically used all of my ammo. Yeah. So because God, there's it's endless the mobs in this game. It's sometimes. so long. Yeah, yeah, that's a very long section in the game. They definitely they could have cut that in half and it would have been serviceable, but uh, yeah. it does go on. Yeah, it does. I think a lot of these sections, I mean, I could be wrong on that one specifically, but a lot of these sections are actually dependent on how much damage you're doing and how many enemies you've killed. So they end sooner based on that. Definitely, do you remember the barn attack where you were in the cabin with Lewis and Ashley? That is absolutely, as far as I'm aware, determined by how many zombies you've killed in that section. You didn't mention that, so I'm assuming that didn't give you much trouble. I didn't do it. I died once. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but then I found a strat that you can just leave Lewis to his thing, run upstairs and tempt them to the stairs and just shotgun them. Pretty much, yeah, that's the tactic, yeah. So I was taking out like five at a time with that. Then you get the occasional one that um, gets the spinny axe head parasite. Yes, yeah. And uh, for those, I would then run further upstairs because they typically sprint after me and then I could take them out one on one before running back downstairs to finish. And Lewis was just holding his own. But no, uh, going back to what I was saying there, the castle was really cool. Some of the puzzles in there were quite fun. Like I wouldn't call it a puzzle necessarily, but the Chimera door. The yes, way that way that yeah. was done where you have to go find the three pieces by going around the castle and I I liked that. That was probably I mean it's, I wouldn't even call it a puzzle, but that was probably one of my favourite puzzle sections, if you like. Mm, quite reminiscent of the classic RE games that one was particularly. Yeah, and, and that was cool. Um it didn't feel like it was being needlessly obtuse. It was actually quite well done in my opinion. Ramon Salazar's great. Salazar, great, yeah, great, and, great and it really brings out some of Leon's character because Leon gets very sassy with Salazar during their little codec calls. Some of his one-liners <laughs> are really tragic, aren't they? Like, and I must—I did quite like the codec calls. It was like it reminded me a lot of Metal Gear, but it's um, a nice touch. It was a nice touch, and and uh, at this point, I should probably gush over Leon a little bit. Um, I really enjoyed Leon as a protagonist. At first, I yeah. thought, at first I thought he was a bit of a batty crease, if I'm honest. But <laughs> but but as it grew and as it, it got going, I was like, actually, I really like this guy. He's cool, but he's not kind of like too much of. He's not douchey cool. No, he's che- he's cheesy of, as yeah. fuck, and he's not macho, which is why I think it's kind of works. Yeah, I think that that's what it, that's why. Yeah, you're right. He's not a muscle bound like knucklehead like Chris Redfield. Um, and actually, Ashley was quite a good character too. Uh, you know, I know that there's obviously the meme like Leon, Leon. <laughs> And I understand Jesus, but um, I thought she was she was absolutely fine. So, uh, some of the 
sexualization of her hasn't aged too brilliantly. No, <laughs> Shall but, we say? Um, like having her um, boobs referred to as ballistics straight oh, away. Oh, I didn't know the president's daughter was equipped with nuclear ballistics. Exactly, like, that was <laughs> the classic Lewis line. It was just about tongue in cheek enough that it was cool, but it was like, yeah, you can tell this yes. game's from two thousand and five. Okay, that's fair. And you know, and uh, there's a scene where you, you play as Ashley briefly in the castle, and she has to crawl through. Like under some tables into a new room. That's right, yeah, when you're fighting the suits of armor and stuff. That's it, and it's basically an upskirt. Yes, yeah, there is that. There's a couple, um, so there's actually an Easter egg in the game for, for those, you know, curious viewers out there. But you know the sections where <laughs> you have to, Ashley jumps down from the ladder? Yeah. If you aim upwards and you try and look up her skirt, she calls you out for it. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't. I, gen- I didn't do that. So oh, I don't yeah, know. Such, too much of a gentleman there. James. Didn't think to. I just wanted her to jump down as quickly as possible. If I'm honest with you, <laughs> I was normally running from stuff because I didn't kill everything. So I was like, Ashley, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you discover the fact that you could hide Ashley in crates and things? No. <laughs> there are there are plenty of sections in the game where if you find a crate, uh, you can just tell Ashley to hop in, and then you can essentially clear the whole area, kill all the enemies, and then tell her, "Oi, pop out the crate," and then wherever she does, she comes to you right from there. So oh, I did they really handled escort missions really well in this game because it gave you so much freedom to kind of do what you wanted and not have to be constantly dragged around by the fact that you had to look after her. As I say, I thought it was going to be way worse. I really thought I was going to hate that, and I didn't. It was fine. If anything, it added a little bit of character that I was not expecting it to. So I was actually okay with it. The Salazar boss fight again, you know, I'm going to say this about all the boss fights really very easy. You shoot the eye thing a couple of times. That's right, yeah. With the, yeah. With the magnums, uh, Salazar opens up, one bang, rocket launcher, done. Right, nice, nice, easy. <laughs> Man, I just find that so funny that you just kept on buying the rocket launcher and one-shotting everything. <laughs> hey, I, I had the pesetas, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, shout out to the old Spanish currency, the peseta. <laughs> but no, so then you get out of the castle, you beat Salazar, and then you get to the island section. And I've got the island section was probably my least favourite. It's tough, yeah. There's a lot of difficult not, enemies there. Not so much with. for the toughness, more for the, the aesthetic of it. it. It became very, very odd when you get there. I mean, don't get me wrong, the giant robot Salazar was odd. <laughs> yeah. But that lasted Which about... I've heard that they've actually scrapped from the remake, unfortunately. I'm Have a little they? sad to hear that. Yeah. That's, well, that's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's completely. I like the goofy, dumb shit. It is, it is. I think that's a great way to describe it. Some of it's very dumb. Like, you get to the. Um, the island and there's you know a shitload of army enemies type you get a helicopter back up which is pretty cool but then there's like during the krauser boss fight there's robot flying things and little yeah, robot Krauser's remote lines little, uh, it's like flying flying hover yeah it's like what turrets. the fuck are these like where do these come from and what's this got it to gets do weirdly with sci-fi Evil? doesn't it yeah <laughs> yeah it's bizarre the krauser boss fight was fun but there was some awkwardness about it and when you're actually fighting that third phase you have to do the the quick time event mechanic to dodge yes you can't interrupt it with the stab mechanic because the, oh, sta- the yeah. stab me- the stab motion doesn't even start even if you press the button input before the qte thing comes up it doesn't start if a qte is going to come up which and that i just found bizarre but then when she realized that you have to just pick when you attack which is kind of tough when you've got a three minute time limit but i still did it with plenty of time to spare to get away yeah i think that the time limit is more of a psychological thing than yeah. actually uh yeah than a real threat yeah, because I mean, it did only ultimately only took about five or six knife slashes to get him down. Yes, I that's think. right. Yeah, Ma- maybe maybe four. Weak to the knife. 
I want to hear how you got on with the uh, regenerators, because those for me were one of the actually only genuinely scary enemies in the game. So this is sort of in between the island and the last boss. You kind of go into the more lab area and yeah. you fight these giant, tall, heavy breathing things. No matter how much you shoot them, they seem basically impossible to kill until you find a specific item that enables you to yeah. see some invisible parasites on them. Which is also completely optional. Oh yeah, you absolutely. don't have to pick up the uh, the cryo. It's in the cryo room, isn't it? And you don't have to pick up that scope. Yeah, that's right. You can absolutely miss that scope. And you know, if you're not careful, you will miss the prompt to press the button to unfreeze it. All. But I mean, it sounds like your tactic of knocking them down and running past them. It sounds like that wouldn't have really been hindered by those guys. Well, you can't really knock them down very easily. You can shoot their legs off so they fall over, but then they do kind of lunge at you quite yeah. quickly afterwards you have to be precise with your timing so there are two versions of that enemy there's the one that's sort of smooth for lack of a better word and there's one that's yeah. spiky right yes the smooth ones were incredibly easy to run past you bait them into their really slow lunge attack with one arm and you just strafe to the side and run past them yeah and, and they're slow yeah. shambly motherfuckers so they're not going to catch you the spiky ones were more difficult. Now, I had the scope and I had the semi-automatic rifle with a lot of ammo at this point because I hadn't really sniped since the catapult section. No, no. So I found them quite simple, but there's one section where you, you're back with Ashley, you fall down the garbage chute and you go through a gate, one wakes up behind you, you get through a bunch of other gates, you have to push a box and then you run round and there's another one in front of you. Yeah, yeah. I so what that, I did yeah. was to slow down the one behind me, I closed all the gates as I went through them. Pushed the box with Ashley, that was fine, got through. I had to run past the other one, hide Ashley in the corner so she wouldn't get killed. And then they were very, very simple to take out, except for they had one parasite on their back. Yeah, it's always a tricky one. And I was killing those by shooting the front where I thought the back was, where I thought it was in the back. That's right, yeah, yeah you can do that, yeah. So a couple of times I would hit it first time, it would explode in front of me, and I'm like, awesome, I'm wicked at this game. A few times, though, I'd be hitting <laughs> what I thought was the spot, it didn't work, and I was like, fuck me, I suck. But really, for the most part, they didn't give me much trouble. There, there was that section I've just mentioned where you get two that sandwich you in. That took me a couple of goes. But for the most part, they were really only one at a time. And if there was more than one, you could run past them. They're not a particularly hard enemy to deal with. I think they're just kind of like a nice... They're quite cool. I found them yeah. quite cool, especially to be stuck in so late in the game. Yeah, it was a nice touch because a lot of the enemies have been very similar up to that point. Outside of some parasite enhancement on some of them, if you like. But That's right, yeah. The villagers were the same as the, the robed monk type deals. You know, different weapons and things like that, but... Essentially, yeah, the same. essentially the same you do do some different things leon starts for some reason he doesn't start suplexing until you get to the castle but then if you start shooting the monks in the knees you can actually suplex suplex them oh i didn't i didn't know there was a suplex mechanic that's cool though yeah if you yeah run up to one shoot it in the knee and then press the action button Fair. also there's another thing um this is probably useless to you now i'm not sure if you'll go back to this but, not for a um, while. Not for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it slightly. I ultimately enjoyed the game very much, but it, it did stress me out a lot. It did you head in a bit as well. <laughs> but I don't know but how much of that was to do with the week I had rather than the game I don't know. So it's, it's yeah. a tough one. Well, just a, a little top tip for when you do go back to it. The guys with the parasites for heads, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're dealing with multiple, of uh, a flash grenade will kill yeah. them all instantly. Oh, you do know that, did you? I didn't know it would kill them all instantly, but I discovered how useful grenades were way too late in the game. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, grenades right. from the start are extremely The incendiary useful, but... grenade is wonderful, especially yeah, at 60 FPS. 
<laughs> oh, because the flames go really fast, don't they? Well, and uh, I believe that I read or saw in a video somewhere that uh, in the higher frame rates, they actually the animation lasts longer, so it does more damage as well. Oh, okay, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but the flash grenades, because it's kind of revealed early on that the Last Plagueis don't like light. Um, oh, really? If you, yeah, I must have if, completely it... missed that bit. <laughs> I think it's the fact that the parasites don't come out in the daytime. They only oh, come out in the sort of thing, and the red glowing eyes. Yeah, that's true. Know. That is true, yeah. But it, it's kind of gently teased. It's, I don't think it's ever, like, actually clearly stated. Well, no, it's, uh, now you say it, it's incredibly obvious, but I never made that connection. God, hmm. thick as pig shit I am. <laughs> well, it wasn't one I found out until years after playing. But yeah, no, so uh, that was all, you know, it was good fun. Um, I, I did, the regenerators were cool. I, th I would have liked to have seen them maybe a couple of sections earlier, just so you got a bit more of them, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair but point. At, but at the same time, it was it was fine where it was. But then the final boss battle was really disappointing. Uh, really disappointing, you thought, Dan? Yeah, because I mean, even though I one-shotted all the bosses, right? destroyer-level disappointing? <laughs> uh, not quite, but not far off when you consider that Sadler has been put across as OP throughout the whole game. Yeah. There's one scene where he literally just like air shoves Leon and Leon goes flying across the room and hits his back really hard on like yeah, it's the container Ashley's in, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're thinking, oh man, this guy's going to be cool. And he just becomes a big old bug thing that wasn't... <laughs> that. No, and I know that's kind of the gimmick of the game, but Salazar's one was designed really well. Like yeah, the way the way yeah. that the village chief's one was done, where he became this big old lumbering thorax, and then you shoot him in half, and then he swings about and swings, it was really cool. This motherfucker just sits there, and he's got an eye on his knee. That's the most obvious thing to shoot in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much one it. shot with my fully with my full powered killer seven, whatever it's called. Got it into stagger mode. Wait for that eye to glow. One shot with the rocket launcher. Ada chucks in the other rocket launcher. Says, "Use this." Oh right. And you, you run to the other section. It follows you really fucking slowly. Leads with its knee again. One shot. Wait for it to come out. Boom. Done. Oh, okay. So, so at that point, I don't even think you need to do that. Oh like, really? You, you can just shoot him with the final one. The moment she gives you that rocket, that's like I said, man. You know, with the exception of the Magnum. That's the most powerful. The cutscene rocket launcher is the be all end all. Oh, fair, right. Well, I, I, well, I gave myself an extra challenge then you for put that. A few bit. extra bullets into him, just for good measure. But I think it was more the fact that whilst I did one shot most of the other bosses, yeah, they were visually cool. They had like their story arcs built up really nicely to what they then became. I just I would have liked to have seen Sadler be a bit cooler. So this is more from like a design perspective yeah. more than anything really. Well I can't come on in his move sex. I didn't see a single move. You know? <laughs> it's over very quickly, especially if you've been playing it right up until that point. It sounds like you were, you know, you knew to be saving your Magnum ammo for that dude. Yeah. So yeah. There were, oh, there's yeah. only one mob enemy I used the Magnum ammo on, and that was uh, Big Matey who had the the minigun. You meet a couple of them throughout the game. Yes, throughout they the are island. tough to get past, yeah. And, uh, the... Were you tempted with the guys with the claws that you first encounter in the castle, the blind guys? You have to shoot the bells to make them attack those. Yeah, so I didn't have the Magnum, actually, when I first found... When I found the first one of those, I used my semi-auto rifle. You can stand on the stairs and sort of trick it. Oh, okay. You can okay, yeah, yeah, say yeah. I. So you can shoot it in the back. It obviously knows where you are, but then you shoot the bell it'll turn away and then you shoot it again and it sometimes can run into the stairs rather than running up the stairs. Right, So okay, you, you yeah. can sort of fuck with it, so that was quite easy. 
The second one, I think I used the rifle because there's one, there's a section where um, I think there's actually, get two of them, don't I you? Say, I think there's just right before them. the Salazar fight, I think. It's something like you run up some stairs and then there's two at yeah. the top of the stairs. I think I managed to take one of them out quite quickly from distance and then one, the other one, I just ran around in circles. There's a little yeah. bit, there's like a little tunnel on the side you can run around. That's right, yes, yeah, so you can shortcut them. And so I just did that, shoot them in the back, you then run to that bit, you walk around because you can't sprint because their hearing's so good. Yeah, I, I right. found that out to my detriment. Uh, <laughs> the first one I fought. So yeah, no, it was uh, that was pretty. They, those enemies didn't really bother me much. I think the only other time you see one of them is one drops into a cage that you get trapped in. Oh god, yeah, that's the bit where you drop into the art gallery in the castle. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cage comes around, and that's a little stressful because you need to shoot off one of those big old reinforced locks. So you need to put like five bullets in it. That's right. It's not a lock you can easily knife. But no, so yeah, and then uh, a nice little jet ski little sequence that was bullshit but was fine at the end oh the tunnel did that did you get taken out by that i died about six times to it yeah really oh god yeah, it, it can be rough because yeah. two of them i lost to learning the route <laughs> yeah yeah and the other ones i lost because i thought i was holding the accelerate button forward and i clearly wasn't and the the wave the explosion oh, wave caught, caught up me. with you right so, okay, I was, yeah. so i was like fuck you and by this point i was like oh man i'm so Don't close just want to finish. Yeah. But no, so uh, to give my summary thoughts, it took me on a big old roller coaster. At point, <laughs> at points, I hated it. Started that, with rage. <laughs> no, on, honestly, at points, I hated this game. I was saying to my, I was saying like shouting at my PC, like "fuck this game." What am I doing playing this piece of shit? Like I, I really did. But overall, it did win me over, and I actually had a blast in the end. And I will look back on it with fond memories, which I think is the main thing. Yeah. Yes, I think if your takeaway picture is overall positive, you yeah. can't complain with that. And I think that you do kind of need to view this game through the lens of the time that it was released. The exactly. That it came out and the titles that it was comparative to at the time as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said there graphically as well as the amount of variation in gameplay elements. It was really impressive for its time. It's, I know it's one of your favourites. It's also another good friend of mine's, like one of his favourite resis. So I, I really wanted to like it. Which also might have made a difference at the start when I was like, "Oh man, am I vibing with this?" I really want yeah, to because if yeah. I if I'd come on here and, and absolutely slated crashed it, it. I, I I wonder <laughs> whether we'd have spoken again. So it's uh, just two p.m. just becomes yeah. just hosted by only Mr. Bames. Yeah, just like yeah. So so uh, Will's not here this week because uh, he's he said that I'm well, dead I don't to know. him. He just uh, he hasn't spoken to me. So no. That, that, that's my thoughts on the game and uh, I've got to say again a, a strong shout and thank you for choosing it for me I just want to say um, overall massive congrats on completing this game considering the week that you've had um, you know I think it's impressive that you've actually managed to pull this out on time that's uh, challenge number three out of the way extended the 100% record so far 2-1 2-1 till next week Ho well <laughs> hopefully because Will if you are able to complete this game then you will actually have done something that I have not been able to do as yet. Oh, damn. Okay. Despite putting 80 hours into the game. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting one. Jesus. Okay, so uh, for context to that statement I've just made, this is a roguelite. So oh. if you're good, you could finish it in one run. I doubt, I doubt you will, <laughs> but it could happen. So that's probably, in your mind, giving it away. But uh, No, 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 not at all. I'm still not sure what I have to play. We'll add the tension in, because uh, you're going to be playing this week. Arborea.
Oh, nice one. Yeah. So this is a game that you've talked about with me before. I've still never actually played, but... Despite me buying it for you for your birthday, you prick. <laughs> but... <laughs> hey, I had Elden Ring to complete beforehand. I-, I made a promise to myself. I've been busy, man. You know, I've got things going on. I've been washing my hair. <laughs> but man, I'm, yeah, really, really looking forward to getting into this game. Truly am. Because it's a game that, as well, uh, number one, I-, I do get to finally play the game that... Uh, that you did buy for me for my birthday recently, uh, but also I think that it's absolutely on my street. Um, I have watched quite a considerable amount of gameplay for it, as well as listen to you talk about it. So this is going to be absolutely one that I'm going to enjoy, and I will get it installed tonight. I'm really yeah. actually excited for this one. I mean, Borderlands uh, was a title that I was really keen to play, and I thought it was an absolute great challenge. This is the uh, the first challenge for me that I've actually been really psyched to play. It's going to be completely new to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to get stuck in. Boy, I'm going to try and complete it. Well, I hope you do, man, because uh, it's... I have a lot of love for that game. Uh, it's uh, So for context for our viewers and listeners who may not have heard of Arborea, as I mentioned briefly, it's a roguelite. Um, you're essentially a troll. You're Well, you're not a troll. You're a bunch of trolls because you will die in this game. A big old tree in the center of your town can birth new trolls. They all have different traits and things like that. Some negative, some positive. You start off with one. You get a choice of three weapons and three elemental type things as you get further down the line standard roguelike fare find different weapons find legendary weapons upgrade collect resources that you can then use to upgrade your town which means you can start off with more and better shit and then you carry on etc etc there's also quite a few niche references which i think you'll like but um yeah i'm looking forward to see how you get on it's uh, i'd say the combat is quite similar to souls which so, immediately you know makes me pretty confident that i'm going to enjoy the combat yeah so it's obviously not not as good but it's it's that sort of vein so yeah i'm really looking forward to getting online and i'm rooting for you to finish it as i say you could be done in five hours you could be (laughs) you could be like me and not have done it in 80 hours cool man well i am going to do my darndest to actually have this done by next week the fact that it's a roguelike has given me some confidence you know the fact that there is potential that this game could be done as you say in 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 a handful of hours if you're good enough or you know i could be speaking to you you know, in like six months' time, <laughs> uh, you know, saying that I still haven't got around to completing it. Well, that's the thing, <laughs> man. It's it's one of them ones, right? And you'll, yeah. Well, I'm not going to talk about it too much now because I want you to experience it. But yeah, uh, there's enough cool stuff in the game, and there's enough different weapon types and different combos and things you can do. The elemental system is great too. So there's enough for you to get your teeth stuck into. And even if you don't finish it, I think uh, you'll have fun with it. But I'm rooting for you, man. Like, I know we've got a little rivalry going on here with the scores, but um, I'd love for you to finish this because then it might give me some impetus to play it again myself because I've yeah, played it for yeah. ages. So. I would anticipate that if I did manage to do this within this week, it wouldn't be too long before I heard that you'd picked it back up again yeah. and blasted through it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that also your success with uh, this challenge that's just passed as well, it's given me extra um, motivation to actually complete this one as well i think that now we're keeping up with our 100 percent completion rate we've got to keep that going for as long as possible so long way it continue absolutely man absolutely we say now and then next week it's gonna be rough yeah. <laughs> that low energy is coming back next week i'll tell you <laughs> uh, and uh with that that excitement that's coming your way for a bit of arborea um that brings us to the end of episode four of total pod mode have we learned anything this week uh, you know, I don't want to repeat my old gags, but I learned the Resident Evil 4 is quite a good game. And uh, 
I also learned that I've got a man crush on Leon Kennedy. It's always good to uh, explore that side of yourself. You know, yeah. you develop a little bromance between you and the protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I learned this week that the Queen was a big fan of Wii Bowling. Uh, and also that the Silent Hill 2 remake appears to be potentially on the cards slash not on the cards because there's been no official confirmation. We'll see. The life of a Silent Hill fan, you're just used to constant disappointment. Oh, absolutely, man. It's, uh, it's a tough fandom to be a part of, I imagine. Before we head off, we should probably do uh, one more quick shout-out for the socials. So, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, you can find more episodes like it um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, really. Just search Total Pod Mode and you'll find us there. Uh, we also post additional regular video content of our gameplay, channel footage and uh, Twitch stream highlights. And we actually also put a full episode of the pod on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. And you can find me at Mr. Bames on Twitter. And I'm also on Twitch under uh, twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter. And I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And with that, Will... I say we foxtrot Oscar. Thanks, James. Thanks for spending another week on the pod. Congratulations on your challenge. And a special thanks, as always, to our listeners. Yeah. We love you guys. (laughs) Peace. Peace.